I'm Robbie Burns. I'm Craig McClellan. And this is Semester 2 of the Class Nerd Podcast. Connecting teachers to the productive world of apps. Robbie, it's our last episode of the semester. Are you getting the uh, the summer excited feels, the school's out for summer kind of feels? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. We haven't even had spring break yet, and I'm already there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm excited about today's episode, um, and we've got a lot of different things that we want to cover. So uh, rather than talking about the weather for anything, let's just get into it. What are we talking about today, Robbie? So we started our outline for today with the idea in mind that we have a follow-up with an episode last semester where we talked about apps we're using for lesson planning. This was a pretty popular episode, and when we put out our survey at the end of last semester, it was a highly voted topic to follow up on. Uh, I know you've received a number of tweets. Uh, you've done some blogging about kind of changing up your app workflow for lesson planning. Um, both of us may have sort of tried some things in the time since that episode was recorded and maybe in some respects have landed where we started, but I kind of wanted to talk about that journey a little bit. But as we were putting this outline together, we realized that there might be a sort of a greater topic, a meta topic, if you will, is like, what are the, what are the tools that we have circled back around to and are continuing to use for lesson planning that haven't necessarily changed? And what does this imply for our technology philosophy in general like what is what is i i brought up right before we started recording this idea of sticky tech stuff that uh you know software and workflows that you know we we return to or that we never leave things that are steadfast whether it's an application that is constantly getting used all the time or whether you try a million note apps but there's one note app that you just keep coming back to because it has the least amount of compromise uh just anything that is something that we've been using that's had a lot of longevity in our technology lives. So we're going to kind of smash those two topics together and dig in. Yeah, so looking back at last semester and what we talked about, uh, we're going to share kind of first where we were with lesson planning in that last episode so you don't have to go back and listen to it, although we get into a lot more detail and it's a good episode. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, And then we'll kind of go with what's changed, what hasn't. Um, So my big focus in the previous episode, which we recorded that in the summer before the school year started, and now it's March. We're, uh, you know, I'm three quarters of the way through the school year. You might be a little bit less because you start after me and end after me. But um, my big focus was um, I was going to try using this app Agenda, which is a note-taking app that also ties into calendar events and um, the way that it works seems like it, it seemed like it was a really great lesson planning tool. And so um, in the past I'd used bear, but it didn't connect to a calendar and specific dates. Um, And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to give agenda a try. Well, the school year started and I started using agenda and there were just so many bugs in this app that I couldn't use it. It was driving me crazy. And I was talking to developers and trying to get some stuff fixed, but I also needed my lesson lesson planning system to work for me. So I just switched back to Bear for a long time. 
And then finally, uh, back at the beginning of 2019, somewhere probably in January, um, I'm on the agenda beta and they sent out a beta and it said it has fixed this particular set of bugs. And I looked and it was like all the things that I had been talking to them about. And they had finally found the bugs. And apparently I was like one of the only people that was experiencing these issues, but they tracked them down. And uh, so now I'm back to using Agenda as my primary uh, lesson planning source. And there's been some really great additions to Agenda since then, uh, since last summer. So um, one of the things that they've added is the ability to uh, attach documents so any activities, any math tasks, things like that that I'm doing with my students on a particular day, I just drag them and drop them into the note for that particular lesson plan. Um, I wish for some reason they allow for um, adding attached files to notes, but they don't have a share extension. So on iPhone, you can't really attach documents it's only really on iPad, which is frustrating. Um, and, and Mac, excuse me. You can do it on the Mac as well. Um, but in general, I'm not lesson planning on my phone. Um, and so what I do, the way I set it up is um, Agenda has, I'm looking at it right now, they have um, different um, categories and then projects inside of categories. And so I have categories for the different subjects I teach. So I've got a math category. I've got a science category. And I also have a meeting notes category because I take meeting notes in there because they can be tied to the specific meetings on my calendar. So parent conferences, IEP meetings, things like that. Um, and then so looking at my math category, I have each unit that our district has prescribed to us via our scope and sequence. When I open up a unit... Um, I have kind of a unit overview with standards and a scope and sequence um, and kind of a breakdown of dates that in it that we have decided, okay, we're going to focus on this standard for so many days and this one for so many days. Um, and then below that, I just have all the lessons assigned to dates. And so I've got the standard it's covering and I can statement um, what number talk we're doing that day, what's the primary activity, which will be the attachment, um, and then a place to take notes if I want to. And so I've just got all the lessons for that unit laid out and connected to uh, calendar dates. And so then um, I've got those all laid out in my different units. And so then on a specific day, because I've assigned each note to a day, um, agenda has this great today view and any notes that are on the schedule for that specific day are just there. So in the morning I get to school and I open up today and I see all the lessons I'm doing and they're right there. Um, so, um, I am totally just going into what I'm doing now and I'm not following our outline in the slightest. I got excited about agenda. That's fine. Just keep so going. I apologize to you, Robbie, but, um, so uh, but one other thing that I am doing um, is I am back to using Keep It as well. And I like um, having it, it, I like having my tasks and things and the scope and sequence in agenda, but also those feel a little less permanent. It doesn't feel like as good of a place to store those long term. And so I'm also storing them in Keep It. 
um, with tags and things. Um, and especially it's nice to, on my iPad in split view, have agenda on one side and keep it on another. So I can see the scope and sequence and keep it and start typing lessons and dragging files in, um, into agenda in the other side, um, because you can't view two files side by side in agenda. So keep it is kind of my other place so that I can have two views of things going at the same time. Um, and you know, I mentioned that previously I was taking notes on a lesson, um, inside of agenda, but I am now um, doing uh, using um, GoodNotes a lot, which is interesting to me. Um, GoodNotes has, over the last month or so, become really indispensable for me because I forgot that you can use your own PDFs as templates inside of GoodNotes. So my school district has a math task planning template that they like us to use, and it's actually really good. Um, not everything my district gives us is, but that one is. And so I just have a notebook inside of good notes that is math task planning templates. And when I'm sitting down to like lay out, what are the different solutions that kids are going to come up with? And what are the assessing and advancing questions that I'm going to give to them? Um, I've just got it right there and I can sit and write it out. And then I can walk around the classroom with my iPad and write down, Oh, Johnny solved it this way. And Susie solved it this way, and I could just kind of take notes as I go with my Apple Pencil. And um, also um, the new iPad Mini that was announced by Apple last week is uh, sounding really tempting for this instead of my giant 12.9-inch iPad Pro as I walk around. But uh, don't tell my wife that, that I'm being tempted by another iPad. I mentioned that to my wife in the car last night and was very, very quickly shut down. Hmm. Yeah, that's why you keep things like that to yourself. <laughs> um, so those are really the three apps that I'm using now when I'm sitting down and planning lessons. Agenda is where the nitty gritty day to day stuff is. Um, GoodNotes is where I am kind of taking notes and um, doing some of that that templatey kind of stuff, and then Keep It just has is a repository of files that I can drag into Agenda. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I'm using a lot of the same applications from the last episode. I actually don't think that much has changed at all. Uh, I have experimented with Agenda, but uh, it was not a piece of sticky tech for me. And I guess the reason why is, you know, Omni Outliner works really well for me. I just need to be able to basically create a design that, like I think I mentioned in the last episode, I can design the different levels of my hierarchy to have really, really big text that jumps out at me while my iPad is far away from my eyes down on a music stand. Uh, and, you know, I just kind of plan the order of my lesson in Omni Outliner. And then I have on the other side of my iPad screen, GoodNotes open. And GoodNotes is kind of just like, I guess if you were to equate this, the, the metaphor for me is like if you were to just take a bunch of papers that you needed that were relevant to classroom instruction and kind of shove them in a folder and then bring them with you, that's what I'm doing with GoodNotes. It's kind of like simulating a number of pieces of paper for me and it's wonderful tabbed interface. So I've got my seating charts in a couple of tabs. I've got the school's bell schedule open in a tab for quick reference. Like if we're doing a special day, like if we, every once a month we have a club day and all the class times 
you know, the start and end times change. So I've got that to reference really quickly. Uh, you know, we just did our adjudication last week. So I've been, you know, opening the same sheet that the judges adjudicate our band. And I've been running, you know, the whole class has been adjudicating our performances from last week. And I've been doing that along with them. So I've got that open in a tab. And so keep it is, I'm sorry, not keep it. Uh, Good Notes is kind of just a, a place where I'm annotating on PDFs and referencing documents. But yeah, Omni Outliner is still what I'm creating my lesson plan in. I do some amount of note-taking in Apple Notes. Uh, I do a little bit of reflection in the Day One journaling app. But really, the you know the, my system isn't broken, so I'm, I'm continuing to work with it. I, I really do work with Calendar a lot, and that's why Agenda has appealed to me, because a lot of my notes are in the notes field of calendar events, as was mentioned in our calendar episode a few weeks back. Uh, every single one of my classes and every single one of my private teaching lessons is its own block in my calendar, and I will very often put notes in the notes field. Uh, I love the idea of being able to do rich text notes in Agenda and then really easily link those notes to the different classes in my calendar and then just be able to like directly click a link when I'm looking at my calendar and then be taken to the notes for that day. This was working okay for my school classes, uh, but a couple things were getting in my way with Agenda. I wasn't quite jiving with, like they have different keyboard shortcuts for things like bullet point lists and headings and subheadings and things like just different than a lot of other third-party apps. You know, Robbie, that Agenda can take Markdown and do it with things like bulleted lists. Like, I just type in Agenda in Markdown. Interesting. Yeah, I should probably get into that. Doesn't it have a, a little bit of its own flavor of Markdown, though? Uh, Not that I've found. I mean, basic things like headings and lists and bold and italics and stuff work the way that I expect them to. Huh. All right. Well, that's good to know. The other thing, too, is like I just was not getting the file attachment to look very good for me. Maybe this has changed in the past month or two, but like every anytime I drag a PDF into an agenda note, it just shows me like the title of the file and I have to click on it to preview it, whereas I would much rather see it in line with the note. Apparently on the Mac um, agenda, you can see it in line um, and they are working because apparently just the way that Mac OS handles... PDFs, um, you get that for free, but with uh, the developers get that for free is what I mean by that. Um, but with iOS, they have to code that in, and so uh, they are working on that. It is a big request, but you can't do it on iOS. This is um, this is still an app that I can see myself using for my large ensemble classes uh just because you know when i do my outline i just have one lesson plan and i just change stuff every day and i I think it would be neat to kind of have a little bit more of a record of what i'm doing like to be able to go back two months and see what i was trying in a particular class um so i can see myself continuing to experiment with this but for my private lessons you know my um my calendar is published as a Google calendar to my personal website where my students can actually go and click on the event 
that represents their lesson and see the assignment that I gave them. And I did a poll and a lot of my students were using that and I couldn't figure out any real easy way to get an agenda note to share with someone else. Like I'm the only person who can click the link to the agenda note and actually be taken via deep link into the, into the note. So I, I'm just continuing to do my private lessons as some plain text in the notes field of the event. Uh, and you know, the thing that I like is how agenda, when you associate a note with a calendar event, it pulls up this little like user interface for, you know, it's basically got a calendar and you just click on the day that you want to associate the note with and the calendar event. And then it puts a link in there, which I think is really great. Um, but it's really the most attractive thing about agenda to me. And it was not working for me in some other respects. So I, you know, I'm at a point now where I'm thinking like, if I really want to have some more control over what my notes look like, I can just use like Bear or Evernote or something and then just copy the link to the clipboard and then insert it into the notes field of the calendar event. And Evernote actually can do that with a public link where if I really wanted to, I could share those notes with my students. So, so it hasn't stuck yet, but I'm still trying. Well, and, and I do know that the developers are working on ways to share agenda files or notes, uh, with other people. Um, but you're right. That's not an option right now. And it could be a while cause that's, that's tricky to implement. So, um, I, I totally get why it's not stuck for you the way it has for me. Well, speaking of things that stick and things that don't, um, you know, we've got a little list here. We, we started with this idea of talking about what has and has not changed in our lesson planning. It sounds like not a ton has changed for you, hardly anything for me. Um, if you want to go back and listen to that previous episode, we talk about all sorts of other fun stuff. I mean, you can, like, I think there's a FileMaker rant at one point. And that <laughs> there is, you're right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think it's worth discussing, like, we've joked repeatedly this semester and last about trying different note apps, trying different email apps, trying different PDF apps. I thought it would be good to maybe take a few minutes and just talk about like what are five or six or so applications that have stuck with us over the years, whether because we've never tried anything else to replace them or because we have tried other things, but we just continuously keep coming back to those same apps and services. Yeah, do you want to get us started with one? Yeah, I, I will. Um, so one thing, and this falls into the I'm constantly trying new things category. Uh, you know, I'm experimenting a lot with calendar applications, and we did a whole episode on this just a few weeks ago. For me, uh, I'm using a combination of things, but an application that I continuously think I have moved past but haven't is BusyCal. And, you know, I'm often enticed on the Mac end of things to try to use something like Fantastical for its great, um, you know, parsing of natural language for its, you know, it's got a, it's got an appealing user interface. It's got some features that are really cool. It's got calendar sets where you can hit a keyboard shortcut and toggle on and off certain calendars. Um, but BusyCal while being the power tool, uh, it's just, well, it, it's it's unattractive to me because it does so much, but it's also attractive to me because it does so much. And I just keep coming back to it for the same couple of features. Uh, 
one of which I think I mentioned a few weeks ago is the ability to have a persistently visible sidebar uh, or I guess info panel. I don't know really what the technical term for that is. I'm going to call it a sidebar. Sidebar it is. Sidebar it is. Um, just to be able to click on an event and then see the notes and the files and the URLs and the people who are associated with that event without having to double-click the event and have a little floaty window. It just saves me so many clicks and taps that I just keep coming back to this tool and keep saying to myself, you know, I don't have to... The, the, I don't, the OCD in me does not have to dictate that I use the same calendar app on all of my devices. I can use Fantastical on my phone a little bit, and I can use BusyCal on my Mac. And I just, it's one of these things, I try something else, and I just keep coming back. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction with mine, and not so much discuss an app as a service, as a, just a technology in general, I think. And, uh, I'm going to talk about using RSS. And uh, for those of you that don't know what RSS is, it stands for Really Simple Syndication. And it's a way that you can subscribe to blogs and uh, get, you know, keep, keep up with the websites that you want to keep up with. Uh, podcasting runs off of RSS. So you, uh, when you subscribe to a podcast in a podcast player of your choice, you're subscribing to an RSS feed. And so um, every time I update uh, the Class Nerd or my personal blog, um, my RSS feed updates and feed readers, uh, different apps and services that do that, um, are constantly checking to see if there's been an update. And when there is, it pulls that in and you can read it. And uh, I remember being in like high school and getting my first Mac, which was an eMac. I don't know if you remember the eMac, Robbie. Um, it was the shape of the original colorful iMacs, um, but it was white, and it was the E was for education. And um, uh, the days when Apple cared about education, <laughs> right? I know, and it was like the one of the cheapest Macs you could get, but it wasn't really a slouch of a computer. And I got it because um, it would come with GarageBand, and I wanted to record stuff in my basement with GarageBand. And um, I remember um, Safari had RSS built into it. And so I subscribed to things like Mac Rumors and stuff like that in high school. Then uh, Google Reader became kind of the primary RSS backend service for everybody. And then in like 2012, I think, uh, maybe a little later, uh, Google shut down Google Reader. And everybody kind of since then has been saying, RSS is dead, RSS is dead. But honestly, I use it more now than ever. Um, and the reason people said RSS is dead is because now you can just follow blogs and people and get your blog post information on things like Twitter or Facebook. Um, but for me, like I'm using RSS as much as ever. I recently... Um, Switched over from using a free Feedly account, uh, which was a one of the most popular replacements for Google Reader, to I've now subscribed to a paid Feedbin account, and um, I am just in love. I'm currently using Fiery Feeds as my um, RSS reader of choice, and um, I not only subscribe to all the websites that I care about, um, but Feedbin. You can subscribe to email newsletters. Uh, 
Hmm. So things like I am uh, I subscribe to Club Mac Stories, uh, Feder- Federico Vitici's uh, weekly newsletter, and uh, I subscribe. I'm an Enneagram nerd, and the Enneagram Institute does a daily email uh, with just kind of a thing about your Enneagram number personality type, um, a suggestion for your day based on your personality. And um, I get that delivered every day. But also in Feedbin, you can subscribe to Twitter accounts and get Twitter updates. And I found that I was spending so much time on Twitter. And really, there were only a few accounts that I really, really cared about on Twitter. Um, So I subscribe. Twitter eventually kind of became my like Apple community, like the Relay FM podcast host and Federico Vitici. And that's where I, I get to talk about nerdy Apple stuff with people. And that's about it. And so I subscribed to a handful of accounts. Robbie, you are one of the ones that I have subscribed to in Feedbin. You're welcome. Um, and uh, I get – so the most important, like if some news is breaking that I care about and people are talking about it on Twitter, I can still see that. Um, but I don't have to constantly be checking Twitter and seeing a bunch of stuff I don't want to see. Okay. So on my – well, I, I will say really fast. On my iPhone, I have no Twitter uh, app at all anymore. I do on my iPad. Um, and then – for those of you who don't know, everything that I post to Twitter comes from – I use a service called micro.blog where I actually post things to my blog and then micro.blog cross-posts that to Twitter. Um, so anything you see me posting to Twitter has not actually come through Twitter. It's come from my personal blog, which also revolves around RSS. All right. You just opened up a can of worms. So first I will say uh, – RSS for me is also super sticky. I've been a user of, uh, I've have been using Feedly ever since Google Reader got shut down. Um, Reader is a Mac and iOS app that has been so sticky for me that anytime I've tried one of the other favorites in the Apple productivity community, I almost instantly within minutes go back to Reader. It's just so simple and so clean and content focused, even though sometimes the developer goes a little long without embracing new updates to the, uh, you know, to iOS hardware and software. That's actually why I'm not using Reader right now, because it's just completely broken on the new iPad Pro. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It definitely is. I will say this, though. Reader is one of the apps that I f- my thumb first reaches for anytime I have a spare moment because I have so carefully curated my RSS feed. And I know that like, if there is a breaking story that I want to read about, that that's going to probably be the most focused place to, you know what I mean? Like if I'm going to, I could go to Twitter and hear about that new IMAX were released today. Uh, but I'm also going to sift through some cat gifts too. So <laughs> my thumb always hovers over that reader. It's in a very prime spot because it's like, I know that this is where I go if I want to know the stuff that I want to know right away. Um, Feedbin sounds very, very compelling. I love the idea of you. I mean, because you just explained how you've solved that essential Twitter problem is, hey, you can just follow the important stuff in Twitter. I I have to ask a couple of questions, though. First of all, how much is Feedbin? Uh, $5 a month or $50 a year. Okay. All right. 
I don't know if I'm willing to spend that. But I have a follow-up. When you follow someone on Twitter, do you see all of their tweets? Yes. Okay. Uh, you don't. You don't see necessarily replies to other people, but you see all their tweets and you see their retweets. Okay. Because I like the idea of that. I almost wish you could. I would be so on this right now if you could do okay. Like when someone tweets a URL to like a you know, text, like short or long form article, then show me the, the article with maybe the, the tweet associated with it. Anyway, I don't know. I've got some stuff to think about. Well, I will say, I, you know, I don't remember how reader handles this, but fiery feeds, um, it will, if there is a link in the tweet. Now, again, I do see all the tweets, not just ones that have articles, but it'll be the tweet. And then below it, it will expand out the article as well. So I do see that all in one view. Okay. Sounds like it's worth checking out. There is a free trial with Feedbin if you want to if you want to try it. Out. That's what I did and I immediately fell in love and was like, "Okay, I can't not do this." Yeah. Wow, very cool. All right, I'm going to give it a shot. Sounds great. Well, my next one is not going to be a surprise to anyone who's been listening to this show since the beginning. I have probably moved away from and back towards Evernote three times this school year. And I've just, I think at this point, accepted that no matter how much I'm using Evernote for general note-taking, clipping web articles, doodling with my Apple Pencil, um, just typing some text really quick in a meeting... No matter how much I'm doing that with an with an app like Apple Notes, uh, Evernote is going to, in some way or another, be there for me to grab all that miscellaneous stuff. A place for me to forward emails into, a place for me to clip stuff from the web that's low priority, but that I want to be able to search the article by text later. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just been a rock. Uh, I don't love the user interface. It's really get, kind of getting on my nerves how clunky it looks and feels to use, especially with a really large library. Um, But it does always find what I'm looking for. uh, And I don't have to fuss with other less reliable tools. I mean, I've tried like think you, you know, anyone listening has followed my Devin think saga over the past eight months or so. Um, Devin think is really complicated. Uh, iCloud sync is very slow. And more recently, I'm just kind of fed up with how difficult it is to get email into it. Um, Evernote is just a, a, you know, an email forward away. I've got my little special Evernote email address, and I forward a message to it, and I'm done. Yeah, you, uh, you're really consistently just you. You come back to Evernote, um, you know, and other people in the Apple nerd community have been following suit. You're really a trendsetter, Robbie Burns, is what I'm trying to tell you. Well, what can I say? Yeah. Uh, you know. I think I'm going to go with uh, Day One as my next app. Um, I have been a Day One user for probably five years. Um, And I'll go through periods where I'm like, you know, they added a subscription component to it a a year or two ago. And I was like, you know, I don't use this enough to pay for a subscription. Um, But I really found that I missed it. And uh, I, I, you can you can get a gift certificate for a year subscription. And so um, I requested that 
as a Christmas present. And I, th- I thought that was a good, good thing to get. And so I've been really enjoying, um, journaling a lot more again and adding in pictures of my kids. And as I've been doing it, seeing pictures from five years ago, from three years ago, when, um, our girls first came to us, um, as when they were first placed with us in foster care and going like, wow, it's amazing how far they've come in three years. And, um, you know, cause it, it'll pop up every day with on this day, any entries that you've done in the past. And, um, so it, it feels like the more that I dig into this app, it, the more reward I get out of it. And so I think it's going to be with me for, um, for a long time. Yeah. Day one is sticky for me in that I keep coming back to it, but I don't use it often, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's I'll go through spurts, um, but I've been really fairly consistent since January, which is one of my longer my longer runs with it. So uh, hopefully it's going to stick more um, because I'm really finding a lot of value in it right now. Um, but over the last five years, it's been on and off my home screen many, many times. So, Yep, same for me. Well, I think the last one I'm going to talk about is PDF Expert. And like my previous two picks, this isn't something that falls into the category of like, I'm constantly using this, like something else that I'm constantly using would be like text expander. That's just like never stopped being a part of my workflow ever since I started using it. Um, But PDF Expert is one of a couple of PDF apps that I've used on Mac OS and iOS um, I say like the primary few that I switch between are preview, uh, PDF pen, and then Adobe's, uh, Acrobat DC is part of my creative cloud subscription. And man, do these other three applications have some cool features, but they just continue to disappoint me. Um, I have been a Mac user for quite a while now, and I still don't really understand how the stock preview app is working when I have multiple documents selected at once. Uh, I don't really understand page reordering. I don't really understand the print settings. Like, I don't know if what's hap- what's going on with me, but I just, every time I open and want to work with more than one PDF or a PDF that has multiple pages in it, I'm lost in preview. Not to mention that it has extremely bare bones editing features. Um, so, you know, I've... I've also got this urge to be using something that feels somewhat similar on iOS and the Mac. Uh, A couple of other options, like I said, Adobe has got one. You know, the last time I tried to use Adobe Acrobat DC, uh, I would open a PDF on my Mac and it would just open a blank, like like it would show me a window that was just all black. (laughs) I'm just like, uh, Adobe, seriously? Like... (laughs) This is, no, this is not good. Uh, Not to mention that it takes an insane amount of time to load. Just not acceptable for a PDF. So uh, PDF Expert has been there for me. Oh, no, I'm sorry, real quick. The other one, PDF Pen. um, Very, very uh, big favorite in the Mac and iOS productivity circle. Um, I, I just do not have positive experience with it on Mac or iOS. It's been buggy for me. Um, it's slow. It's inconsistent. I don't like the interface. It's, it just feels a little dated to me. I, I don't know why, like I've bought, I bought a version of it like numerous years ago 
and then like try a more recent version again. I don't know why I didn't learn my lesson the first time. The current version of PDF Pen on Mac and iOS is still just really slow and buggy for me. So uh, it's got some cool stuff on the Mac, like Apple Script support and you know making form fillable, uh, like taking all the, the boxes and lines and making them into form fields within one tap. You know, I, I open it up for every now and then for making stuff like that. But my tested and true sticky PDF app on all platforms is PDF Expert. Uh, it's lightweight, simple. It's got the right amount of stuff that it can do and stuff that it can't do. Like, I feel like it strikes a really good balance of here's some tools that we've decided you need. We haven't given you everything, but the things we've chosen to give you really, really strike a good compromise. Uh, and the stuff that we haven't chosen to give you, well, you know, we didn't give it to you, but the interface is a little cleaner and a little more intuitive because of that. Um, so I like it a lot. It's got, you know, some some basic stuff it's got on iOS. Uh, it's got multiple tab support, um, you know, just a really clean user interface, like I said. The only really minor thing I struggle with is that on iOS, it does not use the native file picker. Like, you know, it doesn't show you the files app. That's kind of frustrating. Uh, but what it makes, what it loses in that department, it makes up for in ease of page editing and reordering. Like it's really just a breeze to take a large document and shuffle around some pages, delete some pages. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's good in that regard. On the Mac end of things, uh, I kind of wish that it more strictly adhered to design conventions of macOS. Like it has this custom dark mode-esque kind of like toolbar at the top that doesn't have stuff that you would expect. Like one of the things I do really often on the Mac is I do the thing like where if you go up to where the title of the document is and you click and drag the little icon, you can like really just take an open document and really quickly like drag it into the text of an email. Uh, I'm sorry, into the body of an email as an attachment. Uh, and yeah, like PDF expert doesn't have that. So, uh, it, you know, it just kind of stands out a little bit. Um, but I love it. It's a great app. I always come back. Nice. All right. Well, the last one I'm going to talk about is overcast. This one should be relevant to our audience because, uh, a hundred percent of the people listening right now are podcast listeners. Uh, <laughs> yes. And so, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts is uh, it's the most popular podcast app. Um, but for me, Overcast has been my my player. When did when did Serial Season One come out? Like I remember that was around the time I switched. I remember listening to that in Overcast. Yeah, I do too. For some reason, that was uh, probably like four years, three. No, not three years ago. One, two, three. I think it was three or four falls. It was the fall of either 2015 yeah. or 16. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a while and, uh, I just, I've, I've gone and tried other apps like, uh, Castro is a really good one, but, um, every time I do, I end up coming back to overcast. Um, overcast sounds great. Um, Marco Arment, the developer, has added great Siri shortcut support. So I can even say to my HomePod, play Overcast, and it will connect to my phone and start playing the last thing that I played in Overcast through my HomePod, uh, which is incredible. Um, I can, 
fast forward chapters with Siri so I can skip through um, ads. Don't don't skip through ads when you're listening to podcasts, but I skip through ads when I'm listening to podcasts sometimes. If it's one like I have a Casper mattress that I bought because of podcasts, I don't need to hear an ad for a Casper mattress anymore. I already I did my duty and bought the Casper mattress. Um, <laughs> I don't. It, it, likewise, it's like how many Squarespace websites do I really need? Right, exactly. So I will always listen. To, I do try and if it's a company I've never heard of before, I'll try and listen to the ad and uh, learn about them. But if it's Squarespace again, I'm going to fast forward. Um, and you know the the Apple Watch app is amazing. I do like to go for runs with just my AirPods and my Apple Watch, and uh, being able to listen to a podcast while I do that is fantastic. And um, so you know. I don't really see myself moving away from Overcast anytime soon. My yearly subscription renews in a few days, and I'm happily going to give Marco ten more dollars. So, um, yeah, Overcast. Yeah, I c- couldn't have thought of a better one myself. I've tried to switch to Apple Podcasts a number of times because of you know their native Apple TV support, native Apple Watch support, with the ability to stream podcasts over cellular but the i think with overcast it's it's partly the the design of it is so nice but i think it's just those um that smart speed feature and that voice boost feature just make it sound a little bit better than the rest yep uh quick question uh let's see how many hours has smart speed saved you over the years that you've been using overcast all right let's see uh i think you're a little bit more of an avid podcast listener than me so let me see is that in the settings it's in settings uh okay it's at the very bottom very bottom 82 hours <laughs> oh robbie smart speed has saved you an extra 219 hours beyond speed adjustments alone that's what mine says it's crazy to think about because it's like whoa i don't think i've done any kind of media consumption for 82 hours but this has saved me 82 hours Wow. So, and I mean, I have a decent commute and listen to podcasts for most of that commute. And I've been using Overcast with Smart Speed for, I think we said four years or something like that. So, you know, it's, uh, that's spread out, but it, it has definitely stuck with me for a while. Yeah. I sometimes think, you know, I can listen to podcasts at normal speed. I don't have that many that I'm committed to. And then a week like this past week where Apple announces three new products and then has a, media event coming up and all of a sudden all of the apple podcasters are like publishing episodes to talk about everything and i'm like ah i've gotta gotta burn through them all oh man well robbie this is uh the end of a semester yeah i i'm really i'm just gonna kind of like toot our own horn here this has been a really busy time in your life and in mine you know i've had a lot of work stuff going on i I just i'm kind of proud that we were able to maintain a second semester of this show with weekly posts uh, and what I think is one of the busier times of the school year. Yeah. So, and now we will, we're going to take a break. There might be a few, you know, bonus episodes, um, but we'll probably finish out the school year um, before we get into another full semester of the podcast. But um, you, you will hear from us. Before school is out, though, we've we've got some fun bonus shows percolating, I guess, might be a good way of saying that. People really want to hear about our favorite video games. I 
I'm going to have so little to say on that. <sighs> it'll it'll mostly be just some of the best, most popular iOS games, and then that'll be it. That's, but, and that's fair, and I'm just going to say what are the best PS4 and Switch games. I don't know. I don't really know why anyone would want to know my opinion about video games, but it was a top voted topic for this semester, and we didn't really feel like it. It fit into the the flow of the other topic ideas we had, but we are going to get there. Yep. Awesome. You want to tell them about the exit ticket? Yeah. So at the end of last semester, we did a Google form where we directed our listeners to a place where they could tell us the episodes of the semester that they liked the most. And then vote on episode topics for future semesters. And we're going to do that again because uh, I'd love to know which topics this semester resonated. Um, you know, I, and I'd love to know. We'll we'll put together about somewhere between ten and twenty topics, and maybe some of the ones we that were voted high will get voted high again, and we'll finally break and do some of those topics, or maybe. Um, some other ideas that we've come up with in the meantime, we'll get some votes. I don't know. You, you tell us, we really would love to know. And we haven't really said this in a while too, but I feel like this is now is as good a time as any to say, like, if you are enjoying this show, uh, it's not really that much work to give us a five-star rating. <laughs> right. Uh, That's true. Yeah. It's really not. Um, so if you're really liking this and you know, are holding your phone or, uh, are not in a car driving or, you know, whatever, whatever circumstance you're in, if it is not that many steps to touch your phone, you know, Apple podcasts, you can go to this show and tap the, please tap the fifth star to the right. That's the five star one. And leave and straight on till morning. Straight. No, wait, that's something different. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And in the meantime, you know, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on our respective blogs. I've got another podcast that I'm working on some things for. So you can find us at uh, Craig is at Craig McClellan. I'm at Robbie Burns. Your blog, your micro blog is Craig, Craig McClellan.com. Uh, mine is RobbieBurns.com slash blog. And I think that's, uh, that's all I've got on that topic. Awesome. Well, Robbie, I uh, hope the end of your school year goes well. Yeah, I hope yours is awesome, too. I'm looking forward to some bonus content in the coming months. Me, too. And until then, stay classy. And stay nerdy. <laughs>